Hi everyone. So today we are going to be doing, um, we're going to be talking about Little Fires Everywhere, which is a book by Celeste Ng, I don't know how you say his name, Celeste Ng. Um, so this book has actually been adapted into um, a film show. I think it's got like eight series. It's available on Hulu, Amazon Prime and everywhere else. Uh, well, not everywhere else, but you know, I think you have to look for it in those, particularly those two um, sites. Um, so it's basically centered around um, a, two families. Um, one family kind of joins, like moves into Shaker Heights. Um, and that's Mia and her daughter Pearl, they move into Shaker Heights. And really just how things start unraveling from that point forward, you know, their, their interactions with, um, the fam with other families, uh, primarily uh, the Richardsons and Bibi, who is what was also like a character in the in the book or in the film. So today we just want to talk about it a little bit more. Just kind of I, we've identified some themes. So just to kind of layer like open it up like like you know slice it open and just really kind of develop like really get into the different layers that um, we felt were quite present in the in the book and in on and in the film so Nat, you literally you haven't read the book no i have not read the books but i've watched the show so it'll yeah. be interesting to kind of get your view on the book and the show so like what you said so guys if you have not yet watched uh little fires everywhere um yeah. there'll be some spoilers spoiler alert but what we will try and do is like we'll draw on a theme and then kind of like unpack it a little bit. So if you're one of those people who don't, who aren't really put off by, you know, spoilers, you still want to get the nuance of the show and stuff like that, you can still watch. But if not, you know, put this on pause, watch our other episodes and then come back to us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what was your general feel like? What, what did you love most about the, the, the film, the, ep the, the film, the episodes? I loved the show. So it's one of those things like you see people online <clears throat> going on about something, right? And you're just like, oh, you know, it's one of those things. Um, and I, I don't know how I started looking into it. I, I think I just went online and um, I searched Little Fires everywhere because we're in the UK and yeah. I couldn't find it anyway. And then I think I just left it. And then as time went on, um, I think at a certain, on a certain day, there was, there was something on Amazon. It was now on Amazon Prime. And then I just started watching it and I was hooked. Mm -hmm. Literally in one sitting, I watched the first three episodes and I was yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> it's like emotionally charged as well, isn't it? Yeah. 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 No, I was the same. Like literally, I don't know how I got into it, but I think there had been a lot of um, talk about it, like um, on social media, like, oh, this is one to watch. And I don't know, like how long it took me to watch those um, episodes, but I can tell you that there was times when I was just literally lying in bed, just like two, two o'clock, just trying to just, you just, you watch one episode and you're just like, oh my goodness, like what happens yeah. next? Yeah. And then I think after I had um, finished it, because I kind of knew it was already, um, it had been like, it was, a, it, the, the, it was an adaptation from a book. I then went and read the book and oh my goodness, like, again, that was just something I was like, I just want more of this. So I think yeah. I, I literally binged that book, um, but it's certainly one of my top, top five books. And don't ask me which are my top five books, but it's yeah. definitely uh, one of those things. 
Okay, so should we just get into the themes? Yeah, get into it. So what? what start, what start, start. Like pick, so, pick one. Motherhood. Like how for me that was definitely one of the things that came across quite strongly. Uh-huh. Um, motherhood. So you're literally looking at three pairs of mothers. So you're looking at Elena. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. Elena with her daughter um, Izzy. Izzy and and Lexi. You're looking at Mia with her daughter Pearl. Mm-hmm. You're looking at um, Bibi with her daughter Ming Li, aka Mirabelle. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you're looking at Linda McCulloch and her relationship with 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 her daughter um, Mirabelle or Ming Li. So yeah. for me, it was just like it was just interesting how they kind of depicted the whole motherhood in the whole the whole episode in the whole book because there's something about you know if you're looking at all of them as as mothers yeah everybody all the characters that i've mentioned they want all they wanted was to protect their children yeah or their child in, in case of linda and Phoebe. that was what it was um it was all about kind of building around them it was all about love uh-huh. you know but then it's, it's when you look into the nitty-gritties like you know for example if we start talking about um Elena and her relationship with Lexi and her relationship with, with Izzy. I was like, okay, so there is, there is love there, but you just don't necessarily feel it all the time. So for example, with Izzy, Izzy, you kind of feel like she is literally the, the black sheep of the family. She's definitely, there's, there's some episodes or some episodes I, I watched that I was thinking, oh my gosh, like, you know, that bit when she was, she took her shoes and she like literally cut them up her black, um, what they call those black shoes, Doc Martens, and uh-huh. she cut them up. I don't know what the altercation had been, but she cut up her 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 thingies, her her shoes, and threw them in the bin or something like that. I was thinking, you know, and that was something that she loved. I think it was a, a an element of being um, chastised. She had done something wrong with Izzy, and she was like, "Oh, you know what? You don't deserve this." Mm-hmm. And then you look at the perfectionism that has come, that is brought by Ulexi. Ulexi is obviously her mother's daughter. You know, she is a mini me in all aspects. She looks a certain way. She speaks in a certain way. She, the way she interacts with people around her, you know, her mother looks at her and she's like, oh, you know, you are, you are the ideal daughter that, you know, everybody should be like you. And it's just, it's just interesting how the book kind of, as time progresses with each, sorry, not in the book, in the film, yeah. it's just kind of with each episode, you are just literally knowing more and more about the relationships within these two characters. Yeah. Yes, characters. That's interesting. So what I had on the motherhood thing was like motherhood and friendship. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the inability of mothers, parents mm-hmm. to be friends with their children. Mm-hmm. Right? And to understand them in a way that you would understand if you had that sort of like friendly relationship that is going on. So yeah. interesting when you say Lexi was kind of like Lexi and Elena, you know, Elena looked at Lexi like, well, she's the perfect, she's the prom princess. Mm-hmm. And Izzy was kind of like the, the you know, ostracized, like, being yeah. different. But actually, I think... Izzy and Lexi are reflections of Elena. 100%. So it's, it's, it's two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Because I think Izzy has that independent streak mm-hmm. that 
perhaps Elena herself could never tap into. And she mm. doesn't understand the audacity that Izzy has to be herself. Mm. Mm. Right? Mm. So yeah. I think if you think about it, I do think sometimes, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not a parent yet, but sometimes there is something about seeing ourselves in people, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is why sometimes, you know, the, the biggest fights or the biggest people who hurt you will be your family because it's literally mm -hmm. you. Like, yeah. so I thought, I thought that was interesting mm -hmm. to kind of, and, and then you see the way that Mia mm -hmm. is able to be friends with Izzy mm -hmm. and Elena is able to be friends with Pearl. And mm -hmm. that happens a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, how many times have you had um, parents saying, oh, you please talk to my child. They'll listen yeah. to you. They won't listen yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think there is something about people who are close to you. And I think there's that element of expectations as well. Like you've identified with you. Ooh, Elena probably saw a lot of herself in Izzy. Because I remember even reading in the book that oh bill actually felt that he 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 kind of describes that you know what izzy actually reminded him of younger Ele like eleanor like when they were back in because i think they met in university times whatever it was but yeah. he he had that she had that fiery streak streak in her she was very outgoing she was very independent mm. and he's he he's able to recognize that these qualities that izzy has that Elena doesn't necessarily like because yeah. as she has now evolved, you know, she now believes that in order to be a certain, and maybe for her, this is what it means to be a woman, that you need to be within a certain book. You need to not within a book, within a certain box, beg your pardon. So mm -hmm. there's certain things that you can't, you can't be too, too much. You can't be too bold. You can't speak your mind too much. You need to kind of be, um, you, you even see it in the way that she dresses. It's very prim and proper. Yeah. And I think that is what she kind of feels. That is what a woman should be. And she sees yeah. that Lexi is able to kind of fit into that mold perfectly, whereas Izzy doesn't. And yet she was once like that before. So I think that's also quite interesting. Yeah. And there is that whole like being friends with your, with mm -hmm. your, with your children. And I, and that also like you know talking around that when you're friends with your child it's about boundaries as well that like what you're saying to you now I, I'm now coming to you can you speak to this child because you know I'm not getting through to her so it's about those boundaries like how do you maintain those boundaries within um motherhood with being a mother and being a friend at the same time because you want to know exactly what is going on in your child's life you want them to be free to talk to you about certain things yeah. but then when it comes now to enforcing law or ground rules you know sometimes that layer or that's the water can become a bit muddy in that um in that respect yeah so and yeah I, mm -hmm. yeah can we before we move on from the motherhood what about um the scene where Elena literally told Izzy was like, it's tough being your mom. Right? So there's that scene. And then there's yeah. a scene where they were trying to take the, the family Christmas picture. Um, and Izzy came, I think she didn't want to wear the tie or whatever it was. And you know, like Elena is like a perfectionist, a little bit of OCD happening. And then when the pictures came, like Elena's having a breakdown and she cuts out Izzy and Izzy finds the pictures. Like, yeah. of, like, like literally, and it's, it's like the, fam, the perfect family minus Izzy. 
Mm-hmm. And it's worth kind of like going back a little bit because we do know that when Elena got pregnant with Izzy, so Izzy was her fourth child, she wasn't too thrilled about it. She was yeah. actually looking back to going back to work and taking on more responsibility and, you know, going forward with her career. And I think she easily kind of represents that thing that kind of drew her back to motherhood and made mm-hmm. her not propel to where we were. So it's, it, it was kind of interesting. It's like, how do you process that? Mm. Like, essentially not wanting a child and then them finding out like how would how do you process that as a as like we all want to feel like oh we were wanted you know yeah. like the mother planned a baby had a baby shower and you know she's rubbing her belly all the time oh it's difficult and you know i think speaking like from my own experiences like obviously i had my daughter when i was still a teenager um and I, I, I know we've talked about this in that, you know, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, at that time, there was a lot of shame, like surrounding the whole being pregnant at 17 and have, having a child at that age, which has progressed. You know, I look back at my life and hand on my heart, like I am so happy and I'm so satisfied with the way things have turned out because everything has worked out in such a way that I am able to stand here today and be like, you know what? I am so grateful for everything, every, the way everything has worked out. But at the same time, you know, I, I can imagine how hard it is for children to be hearing that, you know, um, you're a result of a teenage pregnancy. You are not really, you were not planned for. And I think, you know, when we were talking about this, there was that whole, like knowing yourself, what he, I am here for a reason. There's a purpose for me as a person. You know, whether you're bringing joy or whether you are bringing some form of relief for the the rest of your family, there's something about knowing yourself. And I think that is what I try to push as well, like um, onto like my daughter is that, you know what? You are here for, you are here for a reason. This space that you occupy, it was meant purely for you. But you're right. I think it can be diff- it can be so difficult um, to to process that, mm-hmm. like what um, Elena said, that it can be so hard being your mother. And in essence, you know, it's hard. It's hard being a mother. It's hard being a sister. It's hard being a friend. It's hard. And I think hearing that, like, for you to if you were to say to me that it's hard being your friend sometimes, Michelle, like it would hurt. But to hear that from your own mother, Ooh. it's it's challenging. It's really, really challenging, you know? It's just like, okay, yeah. so, like, <laughs> what do you want me to, what do you want me to do? Yeah. But, um... I thought that was, that was interesting. And then, I don't know if this is a good time to kind of just jump into the Mia and Pearl mm-hmm. <laughs> dynamic. Mm-hmm. Because Mia really wanted Pearl, right? Yeah. Well, did she? She, she, she got to the stage where she really wanted. Initially, she was very happy being like, I'm a surrogate mom, you know, I'm going to give this baby. She, she had a plan, you know? I stand a woman who has a plan in mind. She knew she's, she was getting her money. She was finishing off her, deg- her, her degree or whatever it was that she was studying. She was giving this baby away. 
And then as time progressed, I mean, you wonder what would have happened if Warren, her brother, hadn't actually um, passed away because that was, the cha- that was the turning point. That was what changed the whole thing, the whole dynamic in this book or in this, in this film. Yeah. So how, do you feel like she really, really, really wanted the baby? She went, she, she, she went through all these, she went through lengths, you know, for, because, okay, just to make sure that I, I got this right. So, um, Mia, right. That was her egg, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like Pearl is her biological child. Yeah. Um, but, but the, 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 the sperm was from, um, I forget what Mia, what the, what the, what the family was. Um, so she has a situation where she's kind of like, um, you know, they're pregnant. The, you know, the agreement is she'll give birth, give the child back, but then all these things happen. And I think, so Warren dies, she goes home. Her parents are like, you can't come to your brother's funeral because the shame element also, because the, the shame yeah. is like explaining, you know, what's happened and she's young. Yeah, you know all that stuff, but I mean, literally everything that we've seen is is the fact that Mia goes to places for a few years, moves. She's on the run because she's with her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't that toxic in a way? The way she like. I agree. I think, but I think we need to acknowledge that switch that she went from, you know. And I, I'm not too sure which kind of um, demonstrates more, like effectively, whether it's the book or the or the film. But yeah. she she went through like you know, um, there's even a, I, I remember a particular whether it's a scene or whether it's something in the book where she's the baby's kicking and she's like trying to remind herself that you know this ba- this whatever is happening inside me is is not like don't get connected to this because you you this baby is is going and I'm going to go back to school, you know, I'm going to go back to finish my studies. So she, I think we need to acknowledge that, that there was an element where she didn't really, she wasn't all for the baby. And then of course, things then changed. And, you know, because of her conversation with, um, with Warren before he died and he was like, I'm the uncle of this baby, you yeah. know, and the way she was so close to Warren and then there's loss, you know, so when you've lost something, you're looking for anything to make sense of meaning, you know, and of course a baby, a part of her, you lose something, you want something, you, you almost want another life, you know, so then, and, and she's, she gets that. She yeah. gets that. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think that you're right. I think it is toxic because Nase, she's running around, you know, from city to city. She's bringing up um, little Mia in, so Pearl, Mia's bringing up Pearl, like in the back seat of her, of her car, you yeah. know, which is not really, again, is, is it or isn't it? I think this is, this, these are the questions. Like, how do you um, compare the life that, she, that Pearl had to what she could have had, you know, in terms of that, with, these guys had with the war, is it the Warrens or the rights? You the know, right, those, yeah. the right. Yeah. So how do you compare? She was literally up in the backseat. She had love, you know, her mother loved her yeah. to bit. Um, yeah. So okay. yeah, I think it's a bit, it's, it's interesting. And then another sort of yeah. sub theme, mm-hmm. um, Let's see, let's see. 
Okay. So, so wait, if, if you're changing, if you're changing, just still on motherhood, yeah. can we talk about the whole, like, I don't know, maybe this will come out in a different subtheme for you, but the whole Bibi and yeah. Mirabel and Linda and, sorry, Bibi and Ming Lee and Linda and Mirabel, because the baby is um, given a different name, given a different identity. Yeah. What, like, do you feel like Bibi has, um, like how do you feel like she does she have a right to come back and say you know what this is my baby i want her back yeah so i think i had that under like adoption and sort like no no but it's a good um so i struggled with the bb thing okay because ah okay we'll talk about this then okay because on one hand bb leaves the the child right by the fire station so apparently it's a thing right like if you want to leave your you leave them fire station police whatever right what i'm a bit unclear on is um are there any sort of like rules or laws that sort of say oh if as a parent you come back within three months six months you know Mm -hmm. we'll try and you know reconcile you with the child and it's fine right because we find that Bibi uh, Bibi tells Mia that she's mm-hmm. been, you know, trying to look after the babe, so look for the child, right, mm-hmm. for a long time. So I kind of, so so I think if if I knew the answer to that question, like okay, was it a case where Bibi was like, okay, I'm I'm in such a bad space right now, but you know, I want to have to be relieved for a few months, then I will come back and the the system allows me to but you also have to remember that she was um it appears like she 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 didn't have documentation right illegal alien whatever they 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 call it right um and then on the other hand you've got linda you know the other family who have essentially they're going through an adoption process right because rightfully this child has been found no no family nothing and then they invite her into the home yeah but on the other side it's kind of like they've they haven't done anything wrong Mm. and then for bb it's for me it was like but at the end spoiler alert like you know you know she 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 goes to the house and everything yeah. but her financial circumstances have not changed which does not mean she does not have a right to the child mm-hmm. doesn't mean that she doesn't have a right to maybe some kind of agreement or mm-hmm. whatever it may be but i i really sort of struggled with fully i sympathized but mm-hmm. i struggled with empathizing right which is fair you know i mean it's 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 difficult you know i think there could be arguments in that she left the baby and i remember like in the show and they're showing her the baby's like good the baby had like frostbite on on her hand you know she was underweight she was malnourished and all these things this is all riding on the back that you know what bb was an illegal um immigrant she had no idea about how the system worked she had no idea that there was somebody that she could actually talk to in regards to uh, maybe 
the, the, she was clearly suffering from, from postnatal depression. The baby wasn't latching. So, you know, all these things that you could potentially get some assistance with, you know, from, I don't know what the, the term would be called in, in states, but, you know, here we've got health visitors who can come and help with breastfeeding and stuff, um, you know, access to even formula, you know. But she, she, she was clearly struggling you know and that was what that was why she then went and left the baby for um you know in a safe space it's not like she left the baby in a park she knew that at a fire station there was going to be somebody who would then either rec recognize that there's some something i miss there's a child outside um and be able to provide some some i don't know take the child to to some form of safety and i don't know if you've just to segue a bit have you seen this is us no, that. yeah. So in a similar concept, that the baby is also left at the fire station, but you know that's a different show. So I don't know what the theme is there actually um, with leaving babies at fire stations, but for me, this whole nature versus nurture, yeah. I struggle because I don't know if maybe because I'm already a mother and i feel baby 100 percent deserves another chance i feel like yes her such a financial circumstances circumstances haven't changed yeah but you know her baby is her baby guys like i don't know maybe for me it's a little bit too personal um, um and, and i'm looking at it from those from that lens no, and so that, I don't that's fair i think it's difficult in that situation because at the end we see that the adoption goes through but i think it's if I were the adoptive parent mm. and then that happened, I think I would struggle with yeah. going ahead with it, knowing that the biological parent is adamant. Right. Yeah. So I think, so th I think there's a conversation there about, mm. you know, what adoption means. And I think mm. also looking at just the, the, I don't know. I don't know if risk is the right word, like the risk that's taken on, when you adopt someone, yeah. right? Because yeah. most people adopt as one of like a last option because maybe they have not been able to have their own biological kids. So they want the same, the same rules to apply to mm -hmm. as they would have had they had their own, like that whole ownership. Like if you've got your own child, nobody's going to come and snatch your child off you. So that's, mm -hmm. I think that's what people want, but then it's kind of like, okay, maybe I, I know there's some you know like even say in african cultures we don't call it adoption but you no. have many situations where somebody yeah. will go and live with the grandparents and the grandparents raise them as the primary parents um but everyone is of the understanding that oh if the parents want you know they can come and see the child or the child is raised by uncle aunts and they don't call it adoption um but it's in such a way that the biological parents still have access mm. to the child as and when. Mm. I thought that was, that was interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. And, you know, I think, I don't know if maybe this is a, a separate conversation, but talking as well about that, the impact of, you know, again, you've brought up something that is very you know it's very prevalent in our culture for example about leaving um about leaving kids with relatives who are who are, who are able to look after the child whether it's for 
economic uh, migration or whatever it is. Um, but the, it, you have to be honest in, and, and talk about the impact that has on, you know, the grandmother, the uncle and aunt who are also looking after this child for many, many years, you know, and some cases, the kids even call them mom and dad or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, you know, that child is not there. And so I can empathize with, with Linda, you know, her home, her home was adopted, like adapted to this baby she had adopted. You know, there's a cot, there's everything that's there. And then, you know, can you imagine then all of a sudden waking up and then it's, it's just like, oh God, and like that's, a diff that's, another, that's another form of loss. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I think we should also acknowledge that, that it, there is that difficulty. Yeah. As well. mm -hmm. um, and then, so off that, is, there's an element about class and wealth, you know, the differences with power and privilege, you know, different um, circumstances of presenting different opportunities for people. So if you think about, for example, as we're talking about Bibi, you know, being of the class that she is, maybe there's an element as well of her ethnic background, you know, the fact that she's an immigrant and the opportunities that are not available to her that are available to um, the McCullochs, for example. Mm -hmm. So I particularly remember this scene where she is in the shop and she's trying to buy some formula for her baby mm -hmm. you know they, they they paint such a picture in that before that you can see that the baby's not latching the baby's clearly hungry she's clearly hungry she is tired she is stressed out she is in tears she takes the wailing baby mm -hmm. to the um convenience shop and she picks up some formula and as she stands there crying baby in hand she's 70 cents short Mm -hmm. and it's just like that thing you know and I and obviously you cannot judge you do not know but that one thing for her was what broke the the you know that was the straw that broke the camel's back and then you see you you're shown after that 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 is when she actually takes the baby and she leaves the baby at the um at the fire station and yet in a separate or in the same episode but in a separate scene you see you you're shown another character kind of taking um you know she's about to take a bus home which is obviously a huge thing for her as well and she's also 70 cents short but with just one look one look that's all it takes there's such understanding there's such sympathy for her that they're like oh no you carry on but if you look at it from a different angle because and I don't know, and I don't want to kind of be presumptuous and assume this, but because, is it because that Bibi is um, a Chinese, different, you know, different accents, looking, different looking person, mm -hmm. that she was not given the benefit of the doubt? Yeah, I mean, you've said it all, 70 cents short, who mm -hmm. gets the benefit of the doubt? And, and mm -hmm. like, that's this whole conversation that we're having now, you know, about privilege, about class. When we, when we even talk about equity, like racial equity, yes. work, you know, class equity is, is who gets the benefit of the doubt. Because like mm -hmm. you said, when BB, like she was clearly in despair, right? Mm -hmm. And she wants that formula. And that clerk just looks at her and just says, nah you know like as in oh 
she she just thought oh you know you're you're playing the system or something like that she didn't give her the benefit of the doubt and the bus mm-hmm. driver when easy comes in he's like yeah cool because he's obviously like, oh yeah it's clearly a mistake that you you know you're yeah. 70 cents short yeah and you that, know it that's not my mistake i i agree completely because this uh, kudos to that woman who, who works in the shop because she looks at her like in disgust you know she looks at her like how like how the hell are you even going to come up here and be short of money like you know she looks at her like she's a whole mess like even as a woman she can't even feel for another woman that you know what baby is crying in her hand she's clearly in need of this formula but she just literally treats her like she's a, she's, she's nothing and whereas if you're looking at from the bus driver and izzy he looks at her from you know, he's like, oh, this could be my daughter, you yeah. know, so yeah. he, there's, it's just automatically, but then it would, it be the same if it had been, for example, if it had been Pearl, if she was the one who was on that bus and she was 70 cents short, we don't know, mm-hmm. 70 cents short, we don't know, so I thought that was also kind of, um, no, that, that's a powerful point, because I mean, not to kind of stray away too much from, uh, from this, but even if you look at recent events, right, mm-hmm. like the George Floyd incident, he was at a store um, and it appears he was not given the benefit of the doubt because so many people yeah. supposedly, you know, how many of us have had like fake notes, you know, from different mm-hmm. places, right? Yeah. And literally they either take it from you or they mm-hmm. let you go and you don't get the goods. But he was yeah. not given the benefit of the doubt and look, the consequences were fatal. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, instances like, you know, George Floyd being one of them, um, the guy who was running and the running and he got shot, the I'm lady who was in her apartment. You know, there's instances and all the all the times that um certain people, again, certain people of a racial background get stopped and and such that's all about benefit of the doubt as well so but yeah i I loved how they portrayed that i loved how they kind of you know with one episode it just kind of evoked so many emotions and just so much thoughts um into 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 like a a vast vast amount of things Mm -hmm. so and then moving on or is there anything else more oh so we said on race as well like is there anything more like you want to kind of talk about on race or we've touched I mean, about it? I think the, the, the racial element will be laced through all the, all the themes. Right. But I thought yeah. what was interesting is there's a scene where, uh, Pell and Trip, literally like the cops, I think, I don't know where they were. Right. Mm-hmm. But what ends up happening is that the cop, um, escorts the kids back home. Yes. And then uh, Mia like sees that Pell's in the cop car and her reaction is yeah. completely different to Elena's. Because Elena's like comes out, she knows who the cop is. I'm just uh, gonna think his name is Joe. It's like, oh hey Joe, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And then Mia's like, Pell, get in here. You know, like yeah. like literally like she went full black mom mode, right? Because she's like, mm-hmm. the consequences could be deadly. And then obviously Mia is um, Pell is kind of like no mom like nothing was gonna happen to us and she's like no like we're not the same so mm-hmm. it's, it's it's even how the prison through which law enforcement is seen mm-hmm. by the richardson versus and, yeah yeah i 100 like for me the book um it just re- represents such a dichotomy of 
of of issues so for where race is concerned for example like i feel like you see um race through the lens of for example um you know for example pearl you know so she's introduced into the richardsons and she kind of is like i remember this this scene or whether it's in the book or it's in the film like where she is actually running her finger on the on the on the on the tapestry on the walls you know so she's mesmerized by being in this this so this environment right and then you see umudi going into like the and not even just smoothie there's elements where um easy as well and not easy not easy per se but lexi particularly when she goes in and she's noticing the differences the differences on the chairs like you know they, they don't have the same dining chair they don't have a sofa or something along those lines so in a way you're kind of seeing two different worlds from two different um lenses and also when Pearl is at school and she's trying to get into that higher, um, advanced curriculum. Yeah. And she's having to speak to like, you know, the principal, whoever it is saying that, oh, you know, I've done this before. I want to do something advanced. And he automatically assumes that she's not from there. You know, she's not from there because she's of a certain color. And, you know, and then he says something along the lines of many people like you, don't tend you know they always start off like wanting to do an advanced curriculum but then they kind of start they show that they're not able or capable of doing that yeah. i was just like wow and yet for these guys the moody's they don't recognize the privilege that they have because automatically you know they are presented by such opportunity you know because of the color of their skin they're presented with such opportunity they're already into like i loved how they portrayed the the generational wealth, you know, you see how the flat that um, Mia and Pearl are renting is, yep. it came from, you know, you're able to identify, that is from the grandmother, from then yep. it was passed on to, to so-and-so, wow. this is where we are living now. And you can just see that had that house not been burnt down, that was going to be passed on to them as well. And yet, Mia and Pearl are renting. So there isn't even just that um, foundation of, there, there isn't foundation, I guess, because they're constantly moving around anyway. But there isn't any accumulation of uh, a generational like wealth that you can see through the years. Yeah. Which, which I also thought was quite interesting. Mm. Um, and what else? What else? And then what did you think about the whole um, Elena saying to, um, to, to Mia that, oh, can you come and be my, no, she didn't say, can you come and be my house, 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 house manager, but something yeah, along yeah. those lines. And then the conversation she has with her husband, um, Bill saying that, oh, you know what, I, I don't see color when he questions, like, do you not think that could be seen as racist when you're asking somebody of a certain, you know, background that can they come and be your your house help and she's like oh i don't see color but that was quite quite yeah i think i think maybe like that's kind of like i don't know if we like as a theme like for me it's something about good intentions and allyship gone wrong mm -hmm. right because if you were to speak to um elena probably elena out of most of shakers just making a guess mm -hmm. um would consider herself you know you know least racist D does that make sense like she 
like yes. she, she probably would really be upset if anybody said like for me she's kind of like the 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 quintessential like white woman who um who i i don't know wants to do well mm-hmm. but when doing well in, infantizes black people yeah do you know what i mean I, like white savior complex kind yes. of thing yes yeah that's that's elena yeah there is there's like a powerful quote in the book so i made a note of this mm-hmm. um and it says which i think really describes elena to a t and it says when you believe nicest sorry i'll start again when you believe niceness disproves the presence of racism it's easy to start believing bigotry is rare and that the label racist should only be applied to mean-spirited intentional acts of discrimination mm. so that's that's elena she is not coming outright and saying that oh you know what um and you using the n-word she's not being outwardly um, dis, dis, like she's not being, she's not discriminating outwardly, mm. but there's that niceness towards her. She does it in such a nice little way, and I love that because I felt like, you know, it's it's it. I felt like that kind of describes Elena down to 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 who she is. She's definitely that white savior complex. She definitely has got a white savior complex. She's definitely Karen because you know a Karen because you know even when she calls up the police at the very first. Um, episode when she's like oh there's a car looks abandoned you know kind of thing so you know she's just she that's that's just who she is she's just not used to she's kind of like a kirsten though not really a karen so so like at the, <laughs> like at the beginning right yeah i thought that was interesting she calls the police right because she identifies that this is an other she identifies mm-hmm. that this is not this mm-hmm. is foreign to shaker right mm-hmm. so she, she immediately has that um that the, you know that radar that sort of mm-hmm. like picks out things that are not and then when she um when mia and pearl come and see the house and then she when they leave when they go out and she realizes oh this is this is them right so that's yeah. why immediately that guilt she's like okay you guys can can sort of you know you you know you can stay and everything mm. Mm. Um, so I thought, I thought that was, that was interesting, but okay. I know we're going to talk about Mia at length, but <laughs> Mia was kind of mean though. Okay. Explain. Cause we had a discussion on this and I thought it was interesting that you felt, so do, so, you, do you feel like she was more mean than Elena? Oh, you can't quantify. Obviously, Elena's meanness would have greater consequences. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I think Mia was very, she's very guarded and very, um, she doesn't play nice. And, and that's fine because I think sometimes maybe as black women, we don't always have to be that, you know, sassy, you know, sister girl, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like there were occasions, like when you could tell like Elena was trying, especially at the very beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Where she was like, you know, you know, do you want to work? Obviously she kind of got it wrong, which kind of talks about, you know, when we're navigating race and stuff like that, people will get the language wrong. And that's why sometimes some people shy away because they're just like, yeah. I don't want to get it wrong because people who are seemingly, you know, trying to be pro, you know, get it wrong. But 
you know you need to you need to be okay with getting it wrong so that you get it right you know what i mean you need to get into the mud um but even there was a scene where um you know elena was trying to make small talk where she saw that um mia works at the lucky was it lucky seven or the, the yeah she's like oh whatever and and then um mia's just like I gotta go now. Like she just wasn't giving Elena, but we, but obviously when we see the background, we see why she doesn't want to let her guard down and have friends and all that stuff. But at the same time, like there's an, I remember this, um, I think Mia says to Elena, she's like something along the lines of that white people always want to be friends with their mates, you uh, know? So, I mean, how do you, how do you how do you equate that because they're not on the same they're not on the same page they're not on the same page they're not on the same level you yeah. know so you want somebody to be your to come into your home to cook for you clean for you <laughs> but you also want to be friendly with this person and i think yes sometimes you know there needs to be some uh, you know you need to be nice to the person you need to be cordial but I don't know if you're going to be end up being like, you know, yeah, come and yeah. share, a, you know, share a coffee with me. Um, let's go in and have a drink together kind of thing. So I, I get that she was maybe protecting that, you know, that's part of her, her as well, that, you know what, yes, you want, you're being nice and you want to be friend, to be friendly, but I'm still your, your employee. I'm still your maid, yeah. you know? Um, that being said, I think there's also, just to play devil's advocate, I think if someone presents something to you in terms of, you know, small talk, if someone's just wanting to be nice, and I think in this case, Elena was just genuinely trying to be nice, because if you look even at the whole context, like the way she rented out this place, it was 300. I think she was paying Mia 300. So, you know, in, in essence, it kind of, they were living you know, their rent was taken care of. And all she, yeah. all me I needed to do was just to work a little bit to pay for the bills and maybe extra things that they needed. Yeah. Um, so maybe she could have been a little bit nicer, you know, that, oh, you know what, I, being appreciative, but she was very, very cold, very, very cold, like from, from, from the get-go. Yeah. And I think she only took up that position so that she could keep a closer eye on her daughter. And that's what she says. Yeah, she's mm. just like I'm taking it to keep a closer eye on. Yeah, that was mm. interesting. That was interesting. Um, and then fathers, like how you know, Mia's, Mia's, Mia's no, not Mia's that, but Mia's hiding Pearl's uh, father's identity. You know, she's very protective of that. She's very, like, throughout the whole, not throughout the whole, but for a good part of the, the show, she is, there is no mention of where he is, yeah. who he is, is he alive? There is, there is nothing. And in essence, I think that is one of the good things that um, they get from moving to Shaker Heights because there's all these things are just, like, literally revealed you know it's like unfolded just before their eyes because i think one of the richardson kids asked pearl where is your father you know there's that's that's there is that 
you know, that sadness that is around black people and lack of, you know, they don't, they don't grow up, like people don't grow up hearing male voices. It's mostly female voices, you know? So then it's just literally like Pearl is, almost shielded or almost protected from knowing who her father was mm. and then it comes out and then it's like revealed who he who he is um and the fact that he's actually quite well off and the whole the whole circumstances that the reason why they don't really settle down in um a particular place is because in essence they're on the run mm. you know but what are what are your thoughts on withholding people's identities for so it kind of comes back to, um, like at the beginning, Mia is driven by loss. I think mm-hmm. people say that that was kind of the main catalyst mm. that, you know, probably made her keep uh, Pearl, right? And mm-hmm. not honor the agreement. Mm. And she's worked so hard, so many years of, mm. you know, yeah, just keeping this going. And then all of a sudden, Pearl literally says, tell me about my dad, yeah. right? And then they have this, such, a, such an emotionally charged scene where yeah. Mia's like, it doesn't matter, you're mine. Like, mm. you're mine. And then all of a sudden, this product, which you thought was your product, is turning back saying, what your whole life, what you've sacrificed is not enough. I need to know the other side of me. Yeah. I was yeah. like, you could tell the pain mm. in, 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 you know, in Mia's voice and just her whole demeanor because I don't know if she had thought it through. If mm. she thought she could love her child out of being a father, without, out of, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, out the, of a father, basically. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. She thought she could love the child out of her father. <laughs> Oh, it's hard, man. There is so much. Um, again, it comes under the whole motherhood. And, you know, if you're thinking about as well, adoption, when you adopt, or, you know, again, I, I've never adopted, so I'm generalizing, but people who are adopted and then they turn around and ask, they have the best, you would assume, you give them the best that they have. And then they turn around and say like, oh, but where, where are my parents? You know, I want to know them. I want to... Um, I want to get to know them. And I think it's all about that belonging. You know, I think it's down to that. It's about identity and it's about belonging. People will always want to know about themselves, you know, and I think it's about, it's about knowing where you come from. Yeah. You know, it's about knowing where you come from. It's about that sense of, I guess it knowing where you come from helps to form your identity. Yeah. And I can see where 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 Mia's coming from. She, you know, Mia lived, she lived in her car for like how long? Mm. You know, traveling from city to city or town to town, or whatever it is, sacrificing everything that she did for her child, right? Mm. And then the child then turns around and says, Oh yeah, but you know, I did I did more. Where is where is the other part of me? And it's difficult. And I remember something that my, my mother said to me yeah. um, growing up. And she, was, she said to me, she was like, when you have a 
when you have your daughter, you will understand. So that was like many, when we would maybe have disagreements or maybe not see eye to eye on things, she'd be like, when you have your daughter, you'll understand. And I can see that because there is what you do for a person. And I don't think it's, it's, it equates like, you know, you can't say this is, is for families, for friends. I think what you do for a person, for another person, what, how much you put into that, only you can know that. Only you can identify with how much you are, you are giving into a person. Mm-hmm. And that person can, they, 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 it, it's not by right that they can know how you are feeling or know how much you have put into something. So I can put in a hundred, you know, sweat, blood, and tears. I've put in a hundred. I can tell you, oh, you know what? I've put in a hundred. But that person can look back and be like, oh, no, but that's, that's more like 60. Yeah. So it's a very subjective thing. It's a very subjective. Um, and I, I can see, so I can see where Pearl is coming from. And again, um, something that is quite prevalent in, in, from, our culture, from a cultural point of view, where most but some fathers are, are very absent in their children's lives and um, children do kind of want to know a little bit more about where they come from and stuff. And I think that's something that's quite shut, not shut down, but it's quite difficult to process within families back home because it's like, why are you looking for this person? You know, yeah. when giving you everything that, that you need, but it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. Very, very hard. Um, Let's see. And what did you think about the whole um, Mia lying to her parents? Or, or not lie. She didn't lie, to be honest. She did not lie. She just omitted the truth in, so, regards, to, yeah. in regards to being pregnant. And, like, and that's the thing. That's the thing. It's, it's kind of like when one omission just kind of like... <laughs> affect everything Mm. because the starting point um i think from what we can see like mia mia's family they they seem to be like first immigrant first generation immigrants um they're quite religious Mm. and they're not thrilled about her going to new york and doing all these arty things but you know she goes she goes she gets a scholarship and the turning point is when the scholarship is um withdrawn so she doesn't have any money and mm. as a young person she's kind of like oh my god you know she she yeah she's she's kind of out of options which is why then she chooses what the surrogacy route because they're going to pay her like what 10, was, 000, yeah, yeah enough money for 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 her school yeah, but yeah. The thing, yeah but the thing is it's like what would have happened if she had told her parents okay I feel like you rightfully mentioned about her, her parents were, they were not keen on her going, yeah. you know, I remember, um, I think it's a scene where the, the mother is they're saying, Oh, there's, there's the implication that she'll go to New York and she'll become pregnant or get into prostitution or something. Mm-hmm. So they were not keen. She raised the money herself to, to, no, she didn't raise the money. She raised the money to, to get to, um, to New York herself, her brother offered her money, which she didn't take. So they were not, they didn't have anything. They didn't have a lot of contribution, I think financially to, to, to her, to her schooling. So 
I think if they had said that, if she had turned around and said, oh, you know what, I'm really struggling financially, they would have been like, wow. But, but we don't know. So, so that's where, like, you know, like at the beginning, we're talking about motherhood, mm-hmm. friendships, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and rightly, you pointed out about boundaries. But I think mm-hmm. sometimes you don't know. You have to, because that's sure. an extreme situation. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and you just don't know that maybe that parent thing would have kicked in to be like, okay, we're still not too thrilled, but you seem to be happy. We're going to make a way, right? And, and, and who knows, the whole trajectory would have changed. Or maybe they may not have had the money, but, mm. but sometimes, you know, like how they say, like a problem, what is it? Shared. A problem shared is halved or whatever. No, and, and it can be true, right? But, but maybe she, they, she just didn't have that relationship with her parents where she felt she could be open. But we see that theme of like, you know, big things becoming, you know, small things. Then she does the surrogacy and mm. then like she's quite flippant about it, you know, mm. which is like, yeah, yeah, flipping sign, mm. you know, mm. and then look, then this becomes a big thing. So we kind of keep seeing that. I mean, I think as well, like, um, her parents didn't necessarily believe in create in art being something she could go down like as a professional route. They didn't see that. And I'm not too sure if that's portrayed more in the book or in the film. So I feel like, I don't know. And the way that they have portrayed her mom in that, I, I can't see her being like, I guess maybe it, it's unfair for me to say that because we are were shown her in the scene where she is, obviously she's lost her son. So she's very, and Pearl, and not Pearl, Mia has turned up and she's pregnant. So she's very cold and not very welcoming and not very soft towards her. So I, I, mean, I don't know. We are, we are obviously just making assumptions, but yeah. anyway, but it's, here it's, we are. It's, it's, it's a good one to, you know. It is. Um, so, and then like there's quite some, let's see what else is on here. The relationship between, so we see when Mia gets to New York, um, she clearly has got a knack for photography or for art. Mm-hmm. And she has this relationship with, um, with Pauline, who is her, her, her teacher or tutor. Um, I think the, the film kind of really portrays it as something very kind of, uh, you know, I'm, try, I'm trying to think whether it's a film or the book actually. Mm. The book kind of plays it down. It's a very platonic uh, relationship. Like she goes oh, over really? for it. Yeah. So they don't really kind of um, show the depth of their relationship, but you can clearly, you know, there's a point in time when they are sharing a bed together i think in the film in the, there's a scene where she when she gets the call that um uh warren has passed away i think she is jumping out of bed with with pauline um what there's there's something as well about that kind of mentorship um of of that that those relationships that are kind of you know from a position where power is maybe given is more on the person on the other side and then and they're the ones mentoring you into being the person that you are meant to be as you're discovering yourself. Cause you see it as well with Izzy and, um, and Mia. So she's kind of taking on that role where she's like, Oh, you know, um, 
from a sexuality point of view, from an art point of view, there is that kind of, they bond in that way. Mm. But there's something as well about power dynamics and coming to play. So these people are coming in from a position of, of, of need. So they're, they're needing to learn something or they're needing to kind of have something shown about themselves. So they're with these people. Um, and, and then relate these relationships then kind of form really close relationships, really bonded relationships. Like, what do you, like, what do you think about, like, mm. like, yeah. I, I thought it was interesting. I think it's kind of like, obviously you kind of have to decouple like the mm. mentorship and then mm. obviously like Mia and Pauline's relationship sort of like mm. took another angle, right. Which is now like more romantic, mm. um, you know, but if, if we remove that aspect, right, and I think there's something about how, um, I guess, it could be people who are different or, like, mm-hmm. other, in quotes. Um, I think there's something about when, I, I don't know how, how to put it, like, in, like, what you said about the mentorship, about, um, because there's so few of, of you know that group is like mm. it's easy for someone to identify a younger them if that makes sense right exactly. um and to kind of because even like pauline like the first thing that drew her to me was like oh you're good you know mm. like mm-hmm. like your your art is good mm-hmm. you know and even if you look at like me and easy like me immediately was like oh there, there's something different there's a different streak about you like and even like easy like her art was good like if you see when she was doing like her her mom's thing and cutting cutting them up so i think there's just something there about the 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 kind of like the mentoring space that is given to people who are different and the way that people who are different will always kind of there's kind of like a familiarity, like a comfortability of like discovering someone of your quote unquote tribe. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I loved how they, 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 they demonstrated that, you know, I think relationships between people, um, and this is not just, you know, where love is concerned, like, you know, um, but there is also relationships can be quite, um, I guess complicated in that as time progresses, you no, know, you're going in for one thing, but as if you're spending more time with that person, and like you said, that comfortability, that familiar, I can never say that familiarity, um, then kind of maybe evolves and then develops into something else. So I thought that was also quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think just a, a couple more things. Um, First loves and regrets. Mm-hmm. Care to share your thoughts because I, you, who was you? Do you remember your first love? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Do you regret not being with that person? <laughs> you don't have to answer. You, but do you remember? Um, my first love. Oh gosh, like, oh, do you know? Yes, I do. Because now I feel like that is the right answer to say. Um, regrets, no. I have no regrets. Okay. I have no regrets. But there is that scene with um, 
Jamie. Oh, oh God. Elena and Jamie. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Like, and, and I feel like this, like this whole, it doesn't have to be like first loves or whatever, right? I, I, I think that I feel like I've come across this kind of storylines before. Mm. So we've mm. got Elena and Jamie. I'm assuming they're, you know, they are first loves. I, I don't know. Like they, they're young. We, um, there's a throwback when they're in Paris. And mm. it looks like they've gone to Paris for, I don't know. I want to think it's like some, you know, college swap thing or something. Right. And Jamie says, let's stay. Mm. Like let's not go back. And then Elena's like, well, no, like my mom's got me a job um at the you know Shaker Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Um we've already she's a, they've already got a house that they would like us to stay. So mm-hmm. Elena has that whole know what we're talking about with Elena and Lexi, that whole sort of like safe, you mm-hmm. know, perfect cookie cutter uh mm-hmm. thing. Right. And then Jamie's clearly a risk taker and he's like, No, if I don't do this now, when else will I do it? Right. And we see that it it that is just a turning point. That their, their yeah. lives go in different directions. Uh true to form, Elena goes back to Shaker, meets uh Billy, Bill, um, you know, the husband. No. They have the kids and seemingly a perfect family. Like, I think if we hadn't seen that Jamie story, because that kind of blew my eyes, I was like, what? Right? But I think it shows the the complexity of human beings, right? Um, It shows the complexity of, of human beings and the fact that, so we see that at some point, I think when she had easy, when she just had easy and she was going through yeah like the post-natal yeah. episode, um, she calls Jamie and yes. then drives all the way from New York to Ohio to see her. They have a moment. And it's not clear whether it was the first time, right? Mm. So just want to assume that maybe this is, want to assume maybe this is maybe 10 years. I'm just assuming that this is like 10 years into her marriage or something. Yeah. Right? So they have that thing and then immediately like she she's like, oh my God, you know, she regrets, then she leaves. Then we see sort of like almost another 10 years later, it's almost like a 10 year regular intervals. <laughs> yeah. Um, where she's in New York trying to um, investigate me. Do you, do you think she went to New York to investigate or like Jamie was also part of the reason? She was like, oh, I think that, you know, because she is so intent, Elena, on figuring out, you know, sorting out the mess that is uh, Mia. I think she's she's on a mission. And then you can see her when she's in that taxi, when she's like, oh, um, actually, let's stop by a department store. So already, automatically, she's making decisions. You know, she's made that call. She's now making decisions, you know. She's... Mm-hmm. You know, because had she gone the way she had been looking, so there's an element as well, like, look at me now, you know, this is what you're missing, yeah. you know, so she's got red lips, she's, so I think, you know, I, you you said, like, do you, what was your question? So I think I'm now rambling. No, no, you answered it, because I was saying, like, did she go to New York just for Mia, or like, Jamie was also, like, a driver? Listen, you know, I think it's one of those things where you're like, okay, so you go on holiday, and you meet somebody and then a few years later, your, your life is different. And then you're in that same spot and you're like, hmm, 
Tana how Tom is doing. Uh, let him see me. Like, you know, let him see me. Or um, like, the, look at what you're missing. Look at what you could have had. So I don't know. But, but that's such a torturous life, I think. It really is, yeah. Because I think... <sighs> I, I feel like, so, so we see at the, um, the last scene, right, where they have the dinner and everything, and then this time round, Elena is, is like, you know, she, she's like, come back with me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then she gives that whole speech, which I thought was sad. Because what she said, I wish I, I had written it down. She, she literally said, like, you know, at sometimes you just wake up and you are who you are. You don't remember when it happened, but, you know, your life has been decided for you, right? And, no, no, and like, that's why I remember it because it was just like, you are who you are and you wake up, your life has been decided for you. And you just think like, like when did this happen? When did I choose to be this person? Which was interesting because when you look at Elena, you kind of think, Oh, this is the life that she wants, but clearly she she has regrets, right? And yeah. and then she's like, you know, you think to yourself, um, did I go wrong? And then she says, you know, Jamie, do you have regrets? And she's like, because I do, because mm. clearly I think she's clearly talking about them and talking yeah. about her decision maybe not to stay in mm. Paris, right? Mm. Um, and then obviously plot twist, because because I think. Jamie also has been hung up on her because that's why he reacted so strongly. Mm. I think if he didn't, they would have just, you know, had a happy ending, whatever. But because you could tell that also, I think he also has, she is someone he hasn't been able to replace in his life. Yeah. That's hard, man. That's That's hard. hard. When your life has moved on for such, um, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's 10, 20 years down the line and you're still hung up on that person. You're still wondering, like, what could have been different? That's, I feel like that's half a life, leaving half, half a life. You're not living fully, you know. Uh, you're not being, uh, I don't know, it's, it's difficult. But then that's, that's life, isn't it? It's complicated. It's not as straightforward as we always want it to be. It's... It, challenging and that's why you know like there was talk online like you know like especially a lot of men were, were like saying oh they didn't marry the love of their lives they married who was yeah yeah and that's that's also quite hard because you you then wonder as especially as a woman because most of the decisions around marriage are centered around like you've said rightfully identified that a man makes the decision that well, you know what i am ready to marry you know i think sometimes we obviously can't generalize but some instances where maybe there's pressure from family there's pressure from the person that you're with and then you end up um getting married but yeah. men are the ones who kind of say okay I'm ready now. I want to get married. They look around who is available and then they look at their, um, their character, characteristics and like tick, 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 and then married. And then you as a woman, you wonder like, okay, am I getting, is this person getting married because of me? Or is it because of, is it, or is it, is it because they are ready and not more because they have met the love of their life, which is me? Like, does that make sense? Like, I don't know if I'm betraying. It, it makes total sense, which is just, I think, yeah, I thought that was, 
I thought that was interesting because I wouldn't have. And then her husband, like, figuring it out. And it's kind of like, how do you, you're living a life where you're like, oh, there's, there's someone who will always be an enigma in our life. You know? mm. um, so I thought that was, that was interesting. Um, yeah. Can Just we wrap up? Yeah. Can we? Can we talk about Lexi? Okay. And her dude. I forget his name. Oh, I've forgotten his name too. Right. Um, so I wanted us to talk about, we, we see um, Lexi and she falls pregnant. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, but before that, right. So we see throughout, right. So Lexi's with, uh, she's got a black boyfriend and, and everything, but throughout sort of like their interactions we see that the black boyfriend is always like, hmm, you know, like every time I go to your house, you know, your mom talks mm-hmm. about Martin Luther King and how when she was young, you know, they, they, they took her to the march. Um, yeah. And all these nuggets like that she'll throw out to be, and clearly they are problematic things. He's not happy with the fact that Lexi stole uh, Pell's story yes. uh, to make it his own. But we kind of see throughout that he's not happy but he kind of sticks with her Mm -hmm. and for me it kind of talked about how sometimes partners enable people to continue having problematic behavior because you know like how normally we would say you know what the the reason sometimes some women continue to look down on black women is because their partners Mm -hmm. who happen to be black men allow it and they enable it even if they Mm -hmm. see it you know, they don't address it head on, right? Mm. So I thought that was one. And then two, I just wanted to talk about, so when she falls pregnant and then she goes to the abortion clinic. Yeah. And then she puts Pearl's name. Heartbreaking. What did you think? I, I felt quite crushed, to be honest. And I think that's, for me, it felt like that was her exercise in her white privilege, you know, why is it okay to put another person's name for something that can be, that is already seen um, as not, you know, especially in, in, the, in the community that they lived in. So Shaker Heights is portrayed to be this picket, white picket fence, perfect society. So they come from perfect families. So automatically she's thinking that, you know, if I am putting my name down, then I am bringing shame to, the, to our family name. But why is it okay for you to put another person's name down? I think she. I think that was a clear demonstration of white privilege. You know, for me, that's 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 all I see is that she's just using her her privilege in and bringing somebody else down in such a way. And and poor and poor Pearl. Like I felt like she she obviously just didn't have the range to kind of speak to yeah. say you know this is wrong because that's that's what that was yeah yeah what did you think oh gosh that was and then fast forward because of time the scene mm. where um pearl and and pearl like you know she's still kind of you know for pearl like throughout this episode it was kind of like you know when sometimes when you experience things that are wrong but you can't really process it like yeah. this is wrong 
right? You don't really know. You don't have the language, right? And the scene where Pearl and Lexi go to Mia's house, right? And then um, uh, Lexi is sitting by the kitchen table, right? And this is after, like, Pearl has told Mia that, okay, she's my name, what, what, whatever, right? And then I think Lexi sort of says something about, oh, she could, you know, she want, she made a comment about wanting some more coffee. And then that speech that Mia gave her basically saying, no, you know, you don't get to do this here. And then the end, she was like, and go up and clean your own mug. Do something for once. Yeah. I just thought I was like, bravo. I feel like that is an element that, you know, that certain races feel that they can use, like white people feel that they can use people of other, like, um, like other, like black people or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that element that some people feel like, you know, they have power and they've got privilege, not they've got power over you so and i feel like when mia was saying and you can wash your own cup that's an element of like you know what don't expect me to do that because automatically you're walking around um with these expectations expectations that you know what it's okay for me to use your daughter's your daughter's name um on on an abortion like on abortion clinic papers it's okay for you to make me a coffee and Mm. it's okay for you to actually wash this cup after me so i feel like the way that that scene was was shown was that it, it just kind of shows that you know what Mia's wanting to to say you know what this is not the 1800s this yeah. is where we are now you can't have your way all the way you yeah. know so have some ownership the cup is dirty you clean it if you want another coffee you make it yeah. just like ownership for your for your for your actions yeah yeah but yeah it's it's such it's such a good um a, a good a good show. I mean, what did you think of the ending? Because the book and the um the show are kind of like different okay. in in the way that they end. So at the end it of the show, we kind of it shows that the all the Richardson kids have a part to play with the with starting the fire. Whereas in the book, clearly it's is it's Izzy. She's she's like fed up. She's like had enough with the whole um Lexi using Pearl's name with her mom with the baby with Mirabelle or Ming Li. She's just exasperated and she takes it out onto um starting little fires in all all her siblings' rooms, so to speak. I thought it I personally I thought that it it was a perfect ending. Because, like in both instances, I love how they've adapted the the the, the book into the show. Yeah. But the way that it was, um, like in the in the in the in the film, they kind of show they kind of talk about Mia's telling uh, Izzy that you know what sometimes you need to burn everything to the ground to kind of get a fresh new fresh new beginning or a fresh, fresh start at life. So I think that is kind of what drives her to kind of get rid of everything, to start afresh. Um, and also in the book, they, after the house has been burnt down, they actually moved back to the rental. So they are like now, 
<laughs> so they are now like living there with with the bare basics. So I thought that was also quite interesting. Do you feel like it ended on a, a, a good note for you, or is there anything that you would have liked to see? No, I thought it ended well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just liked the the like you couldn't kind of predict what was going to happen next, sort of thing. Um, obviously, I thought it was a full circle uh, with Mia Pearl going back to her grandparents. Yeah, um, and I mean, just thinking like the loss that those people they've lost their son and then Mia also just ran off so it'll be if ever there was a season two it would be interesting to kind of see like how they embraced Pearl and what you that new life brought to them um I thought the whole like the Ryans right because the 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 parents were supposed to be like Joe Ryan is supposed to be mm-hmm. Pearl's dad and all that stuff. There was that scene where like uh, Mia called the house and the wife answered, and then yeah. that she yeah. just cut the phone, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I don't know, but I guess in real life, it's just one of those things where you just leave it as is. Um, no, I thought it, I thought it was interesting that the little kids, that all the kids kind of just rebelled and, you know, just started the fire. I also thought it was interesting how obviously Elena thought that Izzy did it. And when mm-hmm. the cop was like, she was like, I did it. And you can mm-hmm. see her like, so it kind of like that whole, even though, you know, we see like how frail that relationship is. She loves Izzy. Like she was going, she was willing to like no i'm gonna take the blame for this because it's me so yeah so yeah well interesting interesting thoughts and obviously nice guys finished last uh you know like moody couldn't get pearl and then trip (laughs) (laughs) as well like and again it's like shown in so many different ways but we just always, women just seem to be drawn to <laughs> bad boys, you know, you don't want, oh, Moody, such a sweetheart, you know. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I mean, drawn to character. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah. What, what else, um, I'm trying to think if, if there's anything that, uh, oh, one thing that I thought was good was the scene where, um, Mia said to Elena, you didn't make a good choice. You had good choices oh, yes. available to you. Yes. I thought that was, that summed that up. That, yeah. is our, that is our reality. Yeah. And that, you know, again, if you look at it, it's that splitting of the same hair or side, two sides of a coin and that choices being given to you. And, you know, it's not like you have, you have to make, like, a, a difficult decision. Like, if you, she never had to make any difficult decisions. You know, whereas if you think about, um, if you think about Mia, she, all, like, her whole life, you know, where she went to, to, to university, um, where she lived, it, yeah. was all, it was all just down to just literally some choice, some... Not difficult choices, but it was all down to like what was available to her. Whereas if you look at Ooh, Elena, she was just literally presented, you know, it's like, oh, here you go. 
what do you what do you fancy yeah because you know? at the beginning she was like oh my my mom's already sorted me a job shaker chronicles we already yeah. have a house yeah so yeah. yeah and it reminds me as well like there's a scene where um uh is not easy Lexi and Pearl go shopping. Well, I don't know if it's in the, it's, I think it might be in the book. Remind me. And they go to like a vintage um, shop. Uh-huh. And because they're looking for something for, I don't know whether it's prom or whatever it is. Um, and Pearl is sure not to be trying on these nice dresses, nice frocks. And she looks at the price tag. She's like, I can't afford this. And then she's like, no, but let's go to um, a thrift shop because this is where you, it's unique. You only get one of a kind kind of thing. So for me, like that whole scene just made me think about just how for one person, those, like that's top or what, that dress or those pair of jeans that they bought for one person, it's, it's an economic choice, but for one person, it's a trend. Do you see what I mean? Like for, oh, yeah. for Ulokuzen, for Upel, she's just looking at how much she had and she's like, okay, so I'll buy these jeans. Whereas Lexi's like, oh, these are so cool. You know, they're vintage. They are, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, 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 it's such, it's such a, it's such a well-written book yeah. and really good adaptation, like onto, um, onto film. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. No. <sighs> yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I will read the book actually. <laughs> I'm gonna make a note of that in my little book of notes. <laughs> I will read the book. I love the show so much. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. Okay, so where can people find us? If you enjoyed this review, guys, let us know if there's anything else you would like us to um, watch or read yeah. with Nat, um, and then we can um, give you like our version of of our reality and what we get or the things that we get from the book or the film. So let us know. Just drop us an email at mygellinsguys at gmail.com. And then if you want to send us a, you can tweet or DM us at, uh, at gellinsguys on Twitter and at at, on Instagram. Facebook. Gellinsguys podcast. And YouTube you can drop a comment below. Yeah. Gellinsguys. And that's I've forgotten anywhere else. Yeah, and, and if you're tuning in for the first time, my name is Natasha. And I'm Chloe. And I sometimes go by Nat. I sometimes go by Michelle. And we're Gellin's Guys Podcast. Thank you. So follow us on Twitter or at Guys. Oh, you want to tell me that?